Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, folks, welcome to Free Press Sports with Carlson and Sean. Carlson, it's good to have you back, man. Thanks, Sean. It's good to be back. But, you know, I've been a little bit worried. Uh, I was really going to ask our editors and our bosses to do a wellness check on you because if I'm not mistaken, you wrote a Lions column where I think you pretty much have them in the Super Bowl. And then you actually wrote a hockey column. So I, I, I'm not. Are you OK? Is it OK? Everything OK? Yeah, no, I'm doing okay. I'm working okay. on a, a, a Pistons column because the draft is, uh, we're recording this the day before the draft, so we're not going to get into that really because we don't know who they're going to take. And you're going to say, okay, well, why are we going to talk about the Red Wings? Well, their draft's not till next week, so this is uh, a little bit more timely. But uh, yeah, so I'm working on a, a, a pre-draft Pistons column, then we'll have another Pistons column, maybe maybe two more. But uh, okay, that's, the more, lines that's the, more the Sean I know. The, the Lions are the, the story. Uh, right now, in aren't June. they? There's a story in June, of course. We can't not talk about the Lions in June. Well, no, it's it's really something. I was talking about this um, on another podcast and actually just with some some other colleagues and friends about uh, people just can't get enough of this team right now. And um, I was actually, I, I hope we can do this, Carlson, not get in trouble and alienate our, our superiors. But, but I was talking about Michael Hara, the longtime great beat writer for the Detroit News, and actually works for the Detroit Lions, works for their uh, website, who's been around the team since the 70s. And he was actually, and this was a conversation. 1870s or 1970s? 19, yeah, right. right. He he was actually not arguing, but suggesting that he hasn't felt this kind of buzz and anticipation from just the metropolitan area and Lions fans everywhere, really. They're Detroiters, as we know, are spread out all over the country. He, he, He said you could go back to the early 90s but he he thought that was that the team that actually won the last playoff game in 91 that was a little bit of a surprise he he actually said this is more like the early 80s in his recollection when billy sims was playing and the silverdome was crazy and there was a little bit of an expectation that was built um it didn't really go anywhere but um obviously <laughs> but that but that's what he likened to and i wasn't living here in that area then so i can't really speak to that i assume you weren't either Unless you were, you know, no. lying about living, growing up in California. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, obviously, uh, I hope that, you know, him telling you that probably very loudly and obviously and us promoting it on our podcast gets him a big fat uh, bonus check at DetroitLions.com. Um, that would be good for him. He deserves it. He's put in a lot yeah. of decades. Yeah. Because I don't know. I don't know if Mike is just forgetting, but uh, there was a hell of a lot of excitement. When Indomitian Sue and Calvin Johnson and Stafford were all on the team and they won, what, 11 games that year in 2011, um, you know, and, or no, 2014, and Jim Caldwell was the rookie head coach. There was a lot of excitement going into 2015. And what happened? Face plant, seven and nine. I, I wasn't around for the Billy Sims era, but I, I'm sorry, he's wrong. You had, and the team, the, the, the thing that the team does not have right now is these superstars. I mean, Aiden Hutchinson may become that, but he isn't what Sue was, you know, the, the dominating all pro guy right away, you know, rookie of the year. He's not what Sue was, you know, Stafford and Calvin. Amon Ra is not Calvin and, and even Goff is not Stafford. So I, I would quibble with Mike about that, that I don't know the 80s i mean i'd have to go back and i don't know what year exactly he was talking about but uh you know we'd i don't know gary danielson was it gary danielson the, the savior or eric kipple i don't know what he's talking about but a lot they of changes on the quarterback and you know as good as goth has looked you know at times last year and all that um he's not as, as jameson williams could probably tell you he's not lamar jackson so i don't know about that is uh, 
look, here, here's what's different. And I was around in 2011. Dan Campbell's and, different. That's what. And then, and then 2014. No, what, what's different? Well, that that's one, but that's not the main difference to me because Caldwell looked like a good coach at the time that you're referring to. Boring. Right. I mean, no, but he looked like a good coach. He'd, shoot, he'd been to a Super Bowl before he was here. So, I mean, he had the track record. But what's different, and I understand why he goes back to the 80s, although I remember what that felt like in the 90s, but that was also, you know, they won a playoff game, right? So it's hard to compare it to that. Um, and then they, they ended up having some tragedy around that team, and, you know, they, they could never get the quarterback play where they wanted it. Um, the early 80s, they didn't have a quarterback play. Even in the early 90s, it wasn't it – wasn't, um, consistent enough obviously and then they got into scott mitchell and and all that sort of thing there was sort of some false hope what's different now even from 2014 is you I, I, you're completely right about the star power but this team seems to have more good players maybe not great players but more good players in lots of places and what they what they really have what none of these teams have had is the offensive line and um, they've got a uh, chance to have a deep. They've, no, they've never had an offensive line with with this caliber uh, of talent on it. And um, I mean, that's just a fact. I'm going to tell Lomas Brown you said that. By the way, Go Lomas ahead. Brown was by himself. You know, he was a really good player. But uh, but they got four, five. To, well, we'll see what uh, Vitai does. I mean, he he was hurt, but uh, they got Vitae. four really really good offensive linemen. What's funny is that they you know even last year they I don't think all five star. I mean, they didn't play. A snap together because Vitae hurt himself, I think, before the season started. But it's the trenches. That's what feels different. That's why people are more excited about this yeah, time. And it also come, feels well, more no, 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 sustainable. No, no. They're they're excited because of the tre- because of well, maybe the defensive. No, no, how no. You 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 you're, you're, again, Carlos. Again, let's you're go. Not let's let's spend 150 bucks on, on the Lions game to go watch the offensive line. Come on, that's not the point. That you're not giving credit to people that watch football. They understand football and how football's won and where it's won. And they also see lots of young pieces in lots of different places, and then obviously people are buying into the to the front office and the coach. That's that's part of this too, for sure. But that's why people are are hyped in a different kind of way because they feel like it's different in the way in the way they're building inside and out. To me, that's the difference from 2014. The difference right now is is Dan Campbell and a decent team that looks to be getting better in a really bad division. That's what the difference is right now. The, the Lions fans are desperate for this team to be opportunistic and to strike, and that Aaron Rodgers is finally ending the cycle of, what, 30 uninterrupted years of first ballot Hall of Fame quarterback play from one team, right? So that's right. That, that's why. And they should be excited. I don't blame them. I don't blame them for saying, hey, let's. this is the chance. Don't screw it up be opportunistic and that's the kind of thing that that's one of the reasons that that the Jamison Williams stuff touches such a nerve it's like listen hey it's all going our way it's going to happen and then boom he gets popped missing six games you know it's like the little speed bumps you don't need that that are upsetting people but absolutely I I understand and the hard knocks thing and and all the hype you love I don't think you can write a I dare you to write a column one day Sean about the Lions without the words Dan Campbell or hype and and if you can do that I'll I'll buy you lunch or something that you know uh, Dunkin' Donuts or whatever but well I did I wrote a column about Sam Laporta a tight end I wrote a column about Jameer Gibbs a running back slipe, and I did not mention. I don't know if I mentioned Campbell or not, but um, probably. And, 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 and people just can't get enough of this right now. I, I'm telling you, it's different. I mean, look, you just discovered what a Lions fan was a year ago when you came over to my house and watched it with my son. So you don't have a lot of credibility when it comes to understanding what people are feeling out there. I mean, and I don't mean that as a slight, my brother. I really, I really don't. You know, but you're, I hope you're, you're kidding that I don't know what Lions fans are. I've just well, never, you don't. Not I've really. never it's, watched a game with the Lions fans in their living room. But no, that's different but, but from it's, it's, it's not a, understanding. I've known Lions fans for decades, my man. Yeah, decades. but, but the, the fact numbers. that you were the fact that you were surprised watching my sons watch that no, game. No, surprised at how. I mean, part of it is you know I know I know who their dad is, so they're emotional and a little bit illogical. No, about they things. represent. I don't blame them they, for that. They're just average fans. They're no, just they're, average they're, lines. They're, fans. they're they're offspring of uh, of Sean Winston. No, I know what no, that no, means. no. They're they're average lines fans. They're not season ticket holders. They're, they're not above uh, average lines fans. You know what I mean? No, they're not. That but trust me. I, I, I used to I used to do this 
uh, for a living to some degree. I used to hang out in tailgates all the time and write stories about it. I've been I've been doing that since long before I was a sports writer. Actually, I've been around these folks, and uh, you know, I've got people. I'm you know, I, I I didn't grow up here, but I'm in a family with a family, you know, with family that did, and lots of family that goes back generations. So I've just been around it ever since I moved to not long after I moved to Michigan back in the eighties. So yeah. Yeah, and and my two sons are just regular Lions fans. There's nothing special about the way they they care about this team. I guarantee you that. I I don't know though. You know, your boys don't have anything on their old man as far as how much hope they have. I don't think either one of them would pick twelve wins. Uh, twelve and no, five. They Sean's can't. Column. They... If you haven't seen it, go checkfruit dot com. It's the not the most. But I, you know, I was I, the other wellness check. Was, they I can't was wait really, for the season was, to begin. I was That's worried that thing. you had OD'd on Honolulu Blue Kool Aid. I was wondering. They I, cannot. I was like, Are you still alive? Do we need to? They can't wait. They can't air, wait for the season to begin. Airlift you somewhere to, to some hospital because I was really worried, Sean. I mean, twelve wins. Of course, you know that you ended the whole uh, thing. That, I love it by saying, uh, but I have I have I reserve the right to change my mind. Yeah, because uh, because I want to <laughs> I want to see what happens in training camp, and that's what you got to do. My boys just can't wait for the season to begin, and and that's where I do mean, they agree twelve wins. What do they think? Uh, I didn't talk to them about that. So let's let's we can talk about that column in a sec, but I just want you to understand the difference. Fun people column, by the way. I loved wait. it. I, I loved can't, it. People can't wait for the season to begin. How much hope they have. They're Lions fans. They they want to have some hope. They're also racing because you know this thing could fall apart <laughs> it, it very easily. It just ha- it's the right, NFL. Who, it happens. Th- all, it happens all the time. This I don't go off on a big tangent, but just quickly, who has more hope right now? Lions fans or Michigan football fans? Uh, Who's drinking from the spigot of hope from the fire hose? Of- uh, so, so again, uh, once again, there's some nuance involved here. No, um, no, 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 don't, don't make w- it, don't complicate it with no, your no, 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 stuff. No. Just tell me who has more hope right now. It's hope. it's not this. It's not the same. Michigan won a title. It's not anywhere near the same because the fan bases are very different. Michigan won a title not that long ago, relatively speaking, right in the '90s. I know it was a generation ago, but still not that long ago. And they've been really good the last couple of years. So they're not, they're, and I obviously they want that that title. They've also beaten Ohio State a couple of times. They know they're close. So I think they they believe they're going to have a chance to to win the whole thing for sure. But it's not tied up into this decades long romanticism and pain and all that other stuff that the Lions fans. So I, I don't feel there's very little buzz around Ann Arbor right now, and there there probably will be as the season gets closer. But there's an expectation they're going to be really good. That's different because they they have been really good. So right. is, is it hope? I feel like it's starting to switch over to expectation. To be honest with you, yeah, like they used to be. Yeah, you know. So they're they're uh, the expectation side. So the so then say the word expectation and which who which which fan base has more or higher expectation? Michigan. Michigan, Michigan has okay. a lot I agree more with that. I totally agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. The Lions fans are they're they're wounded, man. I mean, they're they're excited. They can't wait to see this is going to happen, but they're not going <laughs> to. I mean, they're looking for funny. salvation. I was, I was talking to I was talking to Amari Sankofa, who are our, uh, our the second, speed writer, by the way, Amari Sankofa the second. Say the at whole thing. the um, actually, I saw him at the, your softball game, but I also was talking to him at the at the at Troy Weaver's press conference earlier this week, pre draft press pre draft press conference. Excuse me. And he grew. He grew up in the city and uh, moved away to Memphis for a while and covered the, the Grizzlies down there. And he said, when he moved back, he had told himself, "I, I can't. My heart can't take this anymore. I, I've got to divorce myself. I got to quit the Lions." And then they pulled him back in. And uh, that's what every so Lions says. Every Lions fan says, "Oh, I, I can't do this anymore." Right. And he he said they pulled him back in, and he he said he and he's young, right? But he had he said he's never looked forward to a season like this, not in his whole life. Now again, he's—I don't know how old Amari is. He's late twenties, probably. But uh, so you know, that's a little bit relative. But he can't wait, <laughs> and he's—he's he's a professional, right? But he's also a—you know—he doesn't have to cover the Lions, so he can—he can be his fan. He can I, let the fandom out. I love Amari. It's like, oh, it's been a lifetime of losing for me—a whole fourteen years. I can't take it anymore. Anyway, you got like you know, great grandfathers. I can't remember them winning since the you know the it's black and white relative. days. It's what you know. I mean, oh, yeah. he, he's he's never had a he's never seen a, a playoff win, right? I don't. Yeah. So it's 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 all relative. But um, so if you want to talk about the column, just let me set it up real quickly. I just I called up our editor actually, Kirk, and I said, you know, 
you know, we do all these mock drafts. Well, let's have some mock predictions. I know it's June. It's even ridiculous to think about, but uh, but it's just, you know, there's so much interest in it right now. Let's have a little fun with it. And um, since it's before training camp, I can I can say, hey, I'm going to have a little fun and say, yeah, I might change this. I mean, obviously, Jared Goff gets hurt. I'm not I'm knocking on wood for you fans out there. Uh, that would change everything. But but so you know, we need to keep that in mind. But anyway, I just thought I said, Kirk, if you, our, our editor, I said, have you actually looked at the schedule? I mean, I, I looked at it when it came out, but have you actually looked and gone game by game? I said, if they're who they think they can be, and they're anything like they were the last ten games of last season they're going to have a chance to have a really, really good start, even with a loss on opening night. And um, and it, can you imagine what that would look like if it if it does happen? So that's kind of how the column came about. So let's just have a, a little bit of fun with this. And I predicted 12 wins for now, 12 and 5, which is only three more than a year ago. So if you think about it that way, it's, that's not really a radical leap. That's just three games. And what that's I did write... Three like, games is a lot. Well, but it's not six Plus or you seven... Have them- Tell them how you have them starting. How, uh, what's the start? Uh, for that I have them losing to the Chiefs off the, mm-hmm. off the bat in Kansas City. Here's the other thing that I didn't and write. And I did. Wait, 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 wait. What I didn't write in the column, which I thought about, was saying, okay, if I were a different sort of sports writer, maybe a perhaps more uninformed sports writer, <laughs> who who liked himself a little bit, at least on the surface, I would have mentioned that I predicted nine and eight a year ago. At least to give myself a little credibility here, but I decided I didn't want to do that because then it just makes it a little bit more about me than I wanted it to be. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so it's just it's going from nine to twelve. I, I I don't. If you look at the schedule, that's one of the reasons people are predicting them, Carlos, to win the NFC North is because it's a weak division and the schedule sets. It's all the NFC South and the NFC North. It sets up pretty well for them. And I think you have them starting what five and one, six and one. I can't remember. It's definitely five so- and one. After the Chiefs, and I think you predict a narrow loss, fourth quarter comeback, just falls short. There, we ran out of time, said Dan Campbell. Uh, you know, uh, I think you have them like on a six and one start. So, uh, yeah, that uh, that's tough, man. That's a high bar. Um, and uh, you know, I I think a lot of this is uh, hinging on, you know making sure or or assuming that that the that the bears and the packers are not going to be good um i think you have them splitting with the bears chicago i do i do because I, I think the packers i think right yes and splitting with I the vikings do. or do you have them sweeping the and vikings? splitting with, and splitting with the vikings so yeah. end of the season yeah. yeah and winning at dallas at dallas yeah, it's, I it's I easy to win at Dallas. Um, no, it's not. But they were they were right there last year, and yeah. uh, I was at that game, and they were uh, they were right there last year. I'm trying to yeah. remember what. Um, ha- no, that that that'll be tough. I just I just feel like they're going to have a couple of surprise wins. One is there, and the other one's at Baltimore. But everything else sort of tracks um, tracks pretty well, right? They should be they'll be yeah. favored in a lot of those games. You think James you know, maybe might they, actually run out there on accident with the with the you know with Baltimore's offense to catch a pass from Lamar? Or oh, I don't know. Will he get I, confused? I, go to the long, wrong locker room? You th- you think so? No, yeah, he no. Might. You can keep you can keep making a big deal of that. <laughs> you can keep. We don't need to. I'll keep never talking let about it go, that. Sean. What's that? I'll never let it go. No, I wish you would because we work for the <laughs> we work for the free press and we we want to gain subscribers, not lose them. So uh, you know, yeah, we could we can move on from that. Oh, uh, if that's okay with you. Yeah. By the way, I I just I have to say, you know, and like uh, as any honest sports writer will tell you, like you, everybody loves drama. Everybody loves like people who make our jobs more interesting because there's so much vanilla, you know, in the media and in vanilla and the, among the sports, you know, the, the, the players and the coaches and all that, that, uh, that we always appreciate a little bit of drama, even when it's a little uncomfortable, um, you know, people, people enjoy a little break of that, by the way, just, just speaking about the hype and all that stuff, this feels to me, the Dan Campbell era feels to me, I started covering the Lions in 2006. 
And this feels to me the way people used to talk about Wayne Fonts. Oh, the Wayne Fonts days. There were this like a, like a, like it was like talking about, you know, JFK and Camelot. It was, oh, Wayne would come down and we'd have lunch for his press conference and he'd be honest and, you know, all this stuff. And, and, you know, this was obviously during the Marinelli era. Schwartz is a little bit more interesting. Call was, you know, a piece of vanilla cake with vanilla frosting. So it was, I just, you know, and I've covered other sports and I've worked in LA and stuff. And we had, you know, Barry Melrose for a while for the Kings. And so Tommy Lasorda, I'd never really covered Tommy, but, um, but I always felt like, you know, you, you, you just missed the greatest party. You know, you just missed it by a day. So I'm glad to live for the Dan Campbell era. Um, it's a very fun time. And even the Jared Goff stuff with, he's got a little, he's a little chippy, uh, sometimes and a little short with us. And, uh, you know, he's, he's fun to cover in a different way. I hope it, I hope it keeps going. I hope it keeps going, Sean. I hope you can go out there and write more of your, uh, your hype man columns. It'll be great. You and Flavor Frey, well, man. We'll see if they, if they, if they don't win, then that's all going to go away. Right. So but wouldn't that, that, and that, you know what? And that's part of it too. If they don't win, if they face plant the bars high, that's going to be really interesting. How do they deal with it? It, how do it they... will for a while, but if they really start losing, then, uh, yeah, as you know, it'd be people, really interesting people. Uh, uh, yeah, not, not really, not really I, people, people. This who, is either going to be a glorious jump on the bandwagon or a train wreck. You know, I doubt it's going to be somewhere in the in the middle. Maybe it will. Well, be, no. If, in, if injuries, if injuries are the reason that it f- starts to fall apart, which obviously can happen, then that's not a train wreck at all. That's just sad for these people that were so excited. Right? I mean, that happens every year in sports. All people team don't, sports. People don't. I don't think people have that much nuance. They don't. They don't like. Oh, if, uh, right now misses four games or Decker's out for half this. You know, people don't think of it that way it's just like well they just sure they do I, can, I, I remember sure they do i remember when uh so you were talking about michigan earlier i'm trying to remember the year after 2006 or maybe no no no. maybe it was maybe it was 2006 i, I think it was lloyd Carr's last year it's one of those last couple of years he lost who was the lineman that they had that was a top 10 pick maybe even a top five pick it was a tackle and his name escapes me Oh, but uh, uh, Long, um, Jake Long, Long, Jake Long, Jake yeah. Long, and um, they lost him the year before they went eleven and zero or twelve and zero to get that Ohio State game, right? And Michigan, and I can remember here because I live in Ann Arbor and the family's full of Michigan fans, my extended family in particular, and I can remember them talking about that all season. Jake Long, Jake Long. So, so people that understand football and people that watch football generally understand it, and they know that. And uh, you, you, uh, you, hopefully, humbly, will find a way to uh, to to figure that out. That people know what they're looking at to a, a, a decent degree. Not like coaches, obviously, but uh, yeah, that's college, that's just one example. Yeah, and Jake Long was a number one pick. I mean, he was amazing. No, but but his his absence completely changed that offense, right? That's so, what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, yeah, people understood so people, that. And college, college elite players on college teams was a, was way more significant than in the NFL, you know, I mean, other than losing your quarterback, right? I mean, you know, yeah, there's, there's your, your, your right tackle, your tackle, whatever, you can have really good tackles and stuff, but you know, there shouldn't be as much of a drop off losing one guy, you know, on the line. Well, I mean, but, but Maybe I he's lost know. to Calvin Johnson or something, but. Well, no, there are a few other spots. Like, like the, if the Chiefs of Chiefs of Kansas City Chiefs, excuse me, had lost Chris Jones, for example, last year, one of the league leaders in sacks who was very destructive in that playoff run and made a huge difference in the Bengals game in particular. If they didn't have him, you know, I don't know that they win, right? And I and I would bet you those Kansas City fans understand that. I mean, so some so somebody like that who's they still win. I don't know if they win the Super Bowl, but a one man. No, yeah, they wouldn't have a losing season, no, for sure. But but uh, football fans understand that somebody who's that much of a difference maker whatever side of the ball and you're right they're not that many on def- i mean you could use your linebacker sometimes your safety i mean it gets it just depends it you know it it just sure. depends on the the player the team what they do for the team all that obviously you start with the quarterback for sure yeah no question but uh but i guess i don't know how we got sidetracked in this i guess if if the lions go down with injuries you know people will give them a, around here anyway people will give them a break but um but Possibly. if you're talking about if they're relatively healthy and they they go four and thirteen or whatever, then uh, yeah, 
that 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 would be a train wreck, <laughs> or or even seven and ten, right? Yeah, they have to. They have to have, at the very least, I think they have to have a winning record. Now, if you know Jordan Love comes out of the blue, or Justin Fields suddenly plays Takes at MVP level, or something, yep. you know, uh, yeah, if something like that happens. It's crazy, and some team just bounds past them. But they still have a good season and having a winning record, and maybe get a wild card, or just miss out because the stupid Seahawks miss a field goal again, or whatever. You know, I, that that's that changes it for sure. Um, you know, people would be bitter about what happened. This was our year, um, but they just can't face plant. They can't have a losing. They can't have a losing record. That's the one. No, thing. In, unless they lose golf and several other players. Right, right. I mean, somebody. right. Uh, 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 you know, barring anything, you know, extraordinary happening. Uh, yeah, they can't have a losing record. I'm with you. So, so you're going to pick at least nine wins, right? That's a winning record. I mean, well, I would bet the, you. You'll probably pick 10, maybe. That'd be my guess. You know what? I have to say this about our boss, Kirkland Crawford, is he is just, he's such a good person because, you know, Sean wrote this column and he was telling Kirk, you know, wouldn't it be really interesting? Would you do this mock draft? Well, Sean, every year when the schedule comes out in May, everybody writes their season prediction. So you're about a month late on the deadline and he didn't give you any uh, stick for that. So, uh, I'm really, uh, Kirk is just, you know, just a good person for not telling you that you should have written this a month ago when everybody else did. No, uh, because Dave, but, Dave, Burkett, Dave Burkett went through game by game, if I'm right. not mistaken, and did a cursory thing, and people right. do. But I would argue that the hype is, and the buzz is even more now because we just <laughs> got to look at the rookies. And we had all, I've never seen, when was the last <laughs> time you saw? the rookies running, doing uh, calisthenics and jumping dude, jacks. That's all, I, that's all I heard of the whole time. I was at rookie camp. Twice, I want to say, and I was at the mini camp three times at least. And all I heard, especially from some of the long timers out there, not that many of them left, but uh, was where did all these people come from? Even the coaches were joking about why is this room so full with reporters? Yeah. And what I mean, it, it was it, it was, was the different. first day, and then the next day nobody showed up. It was half of that. No, yeah. I was there a couple other times, and uh, it was there was really, also really nothing crowded. else going on on the sports calendar. The Tigers were out of town. Yeah, but but that's never made a difference before. Oh, sure, you yes. know, sure. It's funny. Our colleague Jeff Seidel was talking about this. I can't believe the way we're covering this, but but that's it's just because that's where the news he was is. there because the Tigers were out of town, and that's where the interest in the news is, and. Um, so I would argue that my predictions column actually hit at the perfect time. We're just coming off the uh, <laughs> the camps, and uh, people yeah. are just you know counting yeah. down the days. My goodness, man, training camp's going to be here. In, in I what, think you said month, summer's over, basically, right? Summer's over. I did. Over. Well, that was that I, was summer hasn't even technically begun. But it's I was over. obviously okay. joking. Go ahead. Yeah. But uh, but uh, <laughs> it's it's not cool that it's going to be here in a month. I'm wait, my two, favorite, two days. If you haven't read it, I'm going to give you a spoiler. If, it, if you people out there haven't read it, but my favorite line it was the first time they play the Bears and you have them winning, like the Lions own the Bears, and then the, in the rematch, the Bears win, and, and Soldier feels like the Lions don't own the Bears. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're they're going to be due for a couple of those games, right? I mean, it, it's it, tough to they, win at Soldier Field. I don't care. It I is. It, it they almost be, lost last year. Yeah, they Sean Winter could be the quarterback, and it's it's just it's just weird. Soldier feels tough. Yeah, they should be a little bit better, and Fields is promising. So, all right, let's let's take a break, man. We, we're we're uh, we're getting a little long here. Let's take a break, and we'll come back. And what are we talking about? More lines, or we can Red talk about wings. some wings. Red wings beat brighter, extraordinary Sean Winter. Yeah, we can talk about the, the Red Wings. All right, we'll be right back with more free press sports with Carlson Sean. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Free Press Sports with Carlson and Sean. Carlson, we're going to talk about hockey. It sounds like a question, like you're not sure about. No, no, no. You honestly we're want to talk, about, talk hockey? about hockey? Like, is it your kind of voice went up a little bit? Like, are you not? Well, you know, I mean, sure? there's 
there's one team that matters. Ice right hockey. Now. You're talking about ice hockey or field field hockey or ice hockey because you can. Pick. No, I, we can talk about ice hockey. No, ice the hockey. NHL. The NHL has a draft next week too. The the Wings have the ninth pick. They also have I want to say the seventeenth pick and then three straight early second round picks, which Steve Eisenman in his press conference the other day said he's never had before. The Wings, I don't think moved up. They've sort of slotted right where, where, where they were, and uh, at this point, Carl's. Wings fans don't expect any luck at all in the lottery, at least not in the recent recent uh, era, especially under the Eisman era. Yeah, you could you could uh, you know if you're waiting for luck to save you in the draft, you know you're you're waiting for a lot. It's it's not you know in hockey, as you know, Sean as a astute student of the game, um, you know it's just not one player, and there's shifts, and there's only so much ice time to go around and. Uh, you know, the one hockey player you know in the NHL is Connor McDavid, and you, of course, worked him into your column. Um, and you noted how even with Connor McDavid, you know, like, you know, they, the, the, the Panthers and the Golden Knights did not have Connor McDavid. Um, and uh, <clears throat> even though Jack Eichel was, uh, was he the number two pick or something for Buffalo years ago? Um, you know, he's not the player he was then, but he's, he's still damn good. Um, he's not the best. And I, you know, I've seen Connor McDavid play a lot and I play, you know, Leon Dreisaitl and some great players, uh, one or two great players isn't enough. You've got to build a team. You've mm-hmm. got to have a defense. You've got to have the right system. You've got to have, you know, health also part of it in hockey a lot. You've got to be playing well at the right time of the year. So all that factors in even having the number one pick. We, when the Kings traded for Wayne Gretzky, the big, one of the biggest trades in the history of organized sports it was, oh, here comes the Stanley Cup. You know, he's going to bring the cup, just won the Stanley Cup. That's it. it. The winning will go uninterrupted. And the Kings added player after player, um, and uh, they got to one Stanley Cup final and lost. And that was it. Uh, so it's not just about one or two great players, you know. And as we know from covering the team, you know, during its heyday and its 25-year Stanley Cup, you know, playoff run, you know, they weren't always the Wings didn't have the best player in the league. You know, I don't know if they ever had the best player in the league all that time. So it was, it it was, it was, it was having three strong lines and a solid defense and a good enough goalie, you know, and the one year with Dominic Hasek, yeah, they probably had one of the best goalies in the league, but Chris Osgood, Mike Vernon, you know, very good goalies, um, excellent at times. Um, but it's a collection. It's how that team works together. And the coaching helps too, for sure. So I think Eiserman knows that. He knows it's not just, I, you know, if I don't get the top pick, then forget it. You know, he's, and he's done a good job of swinging trades and working contracts. Um, and I think you mentioned, you know, he wants a nucleus, which every team wants a good nucleus of players. And you need to add a, you know, good mix of veterans, but a young nucleus growing together. Now the, the clock's ticking on Dylan Larkin. You know, he's what, 20, he's going to be 27. He's going to be 27 in a few weeks. Yeah. yeah. So he's got about three years of prime time play. If he doesn't get hurt, you know, even if he does get hurt, whatever, these are like the last three years of his probably career where he's going to be in prime uh, playing condition. Um, so, you know, they have to start making a, a some progress or showing some progress. And they did a little, they did this year, but consistently not having these blowout losses, not getting, you know, skunked here and there when it matters. Um, but did you, and I didn't watch Eiserman's, I, w- I wasn't uh, in town for it, but what was his mood like? I mean, I think he was asked about the playoffs, if he feels any more urgency, but he didn't seem to, did he? No, not at all. He was asked if he felt pressure, and he said, no, not really. I'm Steve and, I, and, I'm Steve and, Flippin' Eiserman. You think I feel right. pressure? Right. And the last thing he's going to do is, and he keeps saying this, he's told us this, you've heard him several times, he's not going to make a move that in his mind interrupts this longer plan, the the, the slow roll that he's got Very slow uh, in roll. his head, right? He's just, he's just not, he's not going to do it. And the owner's not going to force him to do it. And, um, and as long as that happens, yeah, I don't, I don't think, and, and, and I guess then why should he do it? Right. He, he wants to keep, here's the other thing I, I'm interested in with hockey and you wrote about this a little bit a couple of months ago. And obviously the Panthers got in as an eight seed last year. They won a president's trophy and, and lost to Tampa in the second round. But this year they, they, they upset the team that won the president's trophy and set a record in the Boston Bruins. So yeah, there's this sense you get in at hockey and anything can happen. And, and that's true because it's, it's played out enough over the last 25, 30 years 
that we know that that's true. But the the bigger question to me is, do you really, you're talking, of course you don't have to have Connor McDavid, and the Wings never had the Mario Lemieux when they first started winning their their first titles. Wasn't Lemieux the best player in the league at that at that point, oh, yeah. more or less? Yeah, yes, um, for sure. Or Yarmir Yager or whatever. I don't even know that they had anybody quite like that. But um, do you even need a top 10 player? I mean, I was kind of going through, and it's all subjective how you rank players, where you rank players, but there are some formulas that can, you know, that you can mostly agree on who's where. You know, the the, the, the Golden Knights didn't have anybody in the top 25, I want to say. You know, the, the, I mean, the Panthers have a couple of guys, but um, but they're not super, superstars. They're, you could argue maybe they're star players relative to hockey. But it seems to me, Carlos, that in hockey, you can win with a lot of really good players. You can, like, win a Stanley Cup with a lot of really, really good players and not necessarily a great, great transcendent player. In the NBA, that's much harder to do. That's absolutely true. In fact, the, Pist- the, Pistons, the Pistons are the last team that's done it. NBA is so much different. It's, it's apples right? and oranges. But hockey, I mean, I'll be honest, you know, I, I, when I watched the Kings when they're two Stanley Cups, so two and three years, I think it was 12 and 14. Um, and they were very good even around that time, you know. Um, but when they won... They didn't have an amazing star player. They had a lot of tough, gritty players, um, very talented players too. Anze Kopitar, guys like that. Jonathan Quick, probably the best goalie at the time. Um, you know, but they had Daryl Sutter. That helps. But they had Daryl Sutter. They had a, a Hall of Fame coach, a really good coach who knew how to use the players he had, and they played a tough, pounding style. And toward the end of that era um when they when the players started to get older and uh dustin brown was getting older and more injured and jeff carter was still a good player but you know his style was you know a tougher style when that when teams countered that with speed you know and aggressiveness and a strong four check they countered that they, they, they learned how to how to neutralize that um so systems work for a while and they can work very well um, but yeah, you don't always have to have a star. You have to know what team you have. How are you going to, how are you going to build it? What, what kind of team? And that's a question for Eisenman is what kind of team are you going to build? Is it going to be more skill-based? Is it going to be more grit? Is it going to be more defense oriented? Is it, what do you, what do you want? You know, who do no, you want to be? That's a, that's a really good question. It's funny. Cause I think back to a, a press conference, I'm trying to remember who the wings played. Oh shoot! It escapes my memory. But it, they won, and it was sort of toward the end of their nine of ten or eleven of twelve, whatever it was. They won ten of twelve, eight of nine, um, and they won that night. Excuse me. And they, they were talking about afterwards um, about the, the 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 thin margin for error that they had. Right. That they don't have very many guys, if anybody, that's say really really good with their hands around the net. They can just go make a play. And, uh, you know, like in football, you know, you throw the ball out there. Can can your guy just go get it? And right. um, they, they so that's the question. So how much more do they need of that? And do they have anybody on the roster that could be that? I know Helena has thrown out this uh, young Swede center, Leo Carlson, who's apparently, I haven't seen him play. I don't know if you've seen him play. I, no. you're probably not an NHL scout, but uh, uh, he's a Swede, I think. But um Apparently, he's got great hands, right? Not not just great vision as a center and, and his presence and all that, but he can score and make plays. And um, he'd be a top three pick. You know, and, and is there any way for Eisenman to, to go get him? And does he even feel the inclination to go get him? Because, you know, they've got a promising young center on their team who might make the team this year, Marco Casper. But maybe he doesn't quite have as much of that zip or that, uh, you know, that playmaking ability even though he's really good. So can you win with a team of uh, – Cider has a chance to be great but on defense. But you, can you win with a team of Larkins and Caspers and a bunch of really good guys like that? Or do you at some point have to have McKinnon? I think you have to have – you have to have a couple players, two or three players on your team who scare the other team. You know, and I'm talking like a Drew Doughty for the, you know, for the Kings – or a Darnell Nurse for the Oilers, or, you know, forget McDavid, you know, but just guys who, Marcia so, you know, for the for the Golden Knights, 
who I think you point out wasn't even drafted. Um, no, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. Guy, so, guys, and, and I was making that point that you don't have to win the lottery to get guys like that, right? Right. And and Eiserman's talked about this, and he's talked about very honestly that listen, the, the problem with draft picks, and which is why I don't think he, I don't think he tends to move around too much or trade up to get draft picks because it's a lot, it's a gamble. He said you don't know with draft picks, you know, you don't know with eighteen year old guys what's going to happen. They got to go through their system and develop um you just don't know he was a player himself you know he saw it with with guys of his age and as he was coming up as a veteran and working it moving into the front office they're prospects just like baseball you will you draft them and we'll see in three years how it turns out but you can use your picks you can use your graphics or you can use your prospects to trade for players you know they don't have to be stars necessarily but but players who fit your team and stock your roster that way if the prospects don't work out. And I think that's what he's thinking is these are commodities. You know, whether I draft this guy or that guy, um, or I trade back and get more, get a higher draft pick and trade that for a commodity, uh, a veteran player on a team, um, uh, until they see somebody they really love or really like higher up in the draft. Um, you know, I think he's, I think he's smart that way to, to understand that he doesn't just have to get the number one draft. I mean, you can go through the NHL, look at all the number one draft picks in the last 10 years, and you probably have done that. And um, I don't know how many of those guys have won the Stanley Cup or have made helped their teams make deep, no, deep not, runs. No, not, not many. Yeah, hockey's just different that way. The only thing about Eisman is interesting, his own, not only his experience in Tampa, although they've had some some real studs there, but obviously to propel that run. But but even in his playing days, when they were winning cups, he, I, I would argue, I mean, I'm sure he would say the same thing, that... He wasn't the whiz, the whiz guy, huge, you know, goal scorer when they were winning, right? That he had right. been when he was younger. Right. I mean, he was electrifying when he was younger. He was still in Gretzky's and Lemieux's shadow, but he was, yeah, he was electrifying Excellent. in his own right. But he was not quite that player, right? By the time they started winning cups, right? right. Um, and you know, they had Fedorov, who had a lot of speed and skill and so forth. But I was just trying to. He, that team was really, really talented, really good. Fedorov was the guy who scared you. The, he he at, was, at, at but, they had, but they also won when the guys started getting guys like Shanahan, right. who wasn't up and down the ice, but just a big guy who knew how to put the puck in the net, right? So that's right. And I was I was thinking about this with Eisenman yesterday, or excuse me, the other day. You were talking about the moves and his patience. He did take up a bit bit of a swing with a guy who does who could put that fear in you, but it just didn't work out with uh, Verona, right? right. Bertuzzi yeah. had a little bit of that. Ron had even more of that sort of skill. And yeah. it just didn't it just didn't work. Right. Jonathan Bergeron is the next guy they think that might have something like that. And he's being watched closely in the minors. Um Valeno is someone else, you know, that they hope to get more out. I mean, there's there's different guys who have skill and that they're they're hopeful for, you know, toward that they can Casper, make a difference. Casper, Casper is another one. Yeah, they you keep know, could be a really good time. second line. Really good second Casper, line. Is he going to get a look? Is he going to come up? Is he going to make the right. team out of? That'll be the story. One of the big storylines out of camp for them is: Is Marco Casper going to make the team? And you know, when is he ready? Um, Simon Edmondson is another one. He's supposed to be, you know, possibly pairing with Cider, um, you know, on the blue line. So um, they feel like there's all these like you have these this arsenal of some young talent in the pipeline that's close to get, making the team. Are they going to make the team? Are they going to make a difference when they're on the team? Um, you know, that's, that's the question. Lucas Raymond. I mean, he was in the, he's kind of a forgotten guy. I mean, he was in the running for rookie of the year, you know, last year when Cider won it. And this year, like, didn't really show as much. I think he might've mm -hmm. been hurt for a little bit, but he, he, maybe the second year is like that sometimes, isn't it? We see that in lots of sports. Sometimes, sometimes, you, sometimes somebody comes up, and then that second year they dip a little, and then, and then the third year is where they really start to get it. We'll see. Yeah, it could be that way with Raymond. Um, you know, but yeah, there's, there's uh, that, that's the that's the one thing that I don't get excited about with the NHL draft or the major MLB. You know, amateur draft is like you know you draft them, and okay, we'll see in two or three years. Oh, hard to project them. It is. I mean, unless you get somebody you mentioned McDavid earlier or whatever, Eichel. I mean, you know, the, you know, I, I don't know uh, the the fellow the fellow this year that uh, the Blackhawks are going to take uh, Bedard, right, Connor Bedard, right. and that and that's the thing that you know, um, the, the, I wonder with the with the Red Wings how much this has changed because we don't 
baseball and hockey are so different. You know, you have their amateur scouting all over the globe uh, for hockey, you know, all kinds of, you know, Europe and all this stuff. Uh, baseball, it's all here pretty much. Um, well, and this year, Central and South America. True, but most of it is here. And you do, when they invite, like during uh, spring training, the, this year they invited probably more um, more prospects to camp than ever before. I and mean, the, the beat writers were talking about, there's so many people here, so many players. And, you know, Scott Harris is the first time, you know, his first year as the whatever team president GM, de facto GM, and maybe he just wanted to have as much of a look at these guys in person as he could. But there were tons of guys on the backfields and who's this guy? And uh, I don't know if that's going to stay the same, but, uh, you know, is Iserman, are they kind of combing the earth the same way or, or trying to get as many, you know, Iserman trying to have as many eyeballs on those prospects as he can. I mean, he's now in his, what, he's going in his fourth draft. So, um, yeah, probably doesn't feel quite the same way that Scott Harris is. But let me, let me give you one little thing about Iserman. And I think that is interesting is if you want a number um, that's important to the Red Wings and to Iserman and how you consider him, uh, it's if you look at their attendance this year, and I don't know exactly where it ranked, you could probably look that up pretty easily, but just I was just looking at some of the attendance numbers for the end of the year when they were out of the playoffs at home playing Buffalo, they had 19,000, Pittsburgh, 19,000, Dallas, seven, almost 18,000. Carolina 19, Pittsburgh 19. I mean, one of the things, I think one of the reasons Eisenman doesn't feel the heat is because they draw well. You know, when you're drawing well and you're selling, that means you're filling the parking lots, you're selling souvenirs, you're selling food. You know, that's really the business of sports. It's not really winning. You would, you know, chumps like you and me talk about winning a lot in championships. What the real business is, is I'm sure in an honest moment, Chris Illich would probably tell you, any owner will probably tell you, it's about making money. Yes, the most assured way to make money is to win, to create that, you know, interest. Or to have the hope of winning. Or hope have the hope. Too. But Sean Windsor takes care of the hope and hype for you. So no, no, hope so. no you, you got to have, have the hope of, of winning. Yeah. I mean, because but was, if you... But, if, but it has changed. I mean, well, the Red Wings have turned that corner, I think, in the last year of... They've been yeah, more people can feel that. More fun to watch. And absolutely. Are, I, it's like the Lions people and the Tigers. People want them and the Pistons. They want them to win. They want to return to the glory days that weren't, I mean, for the Lions a long time ago, but for the other teams not so long ago when they were playing in World Series and championships or winning them. Um, so uh, you see the this. kernel of that and you want to you encourage it. And so maybe Iserman, plus he's, you know, St. Iserman, so he can do no wrong. But uh, yeah, he does well, shouldn't be yeah, pressure for a while. He's got a lot of, um, yeah, for sure. He's got a lot of, He's got a lot of leeway. There's no question. He, he, what you're talking about, that that's almost a different podcast or a series of podcasts. <laughs> just the Pistons were the worst team by record and probably by any other measure in the in the league this past year, and they were still top ten in attendance. It's 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 crazy wow. what a sports town this is. Yeah, now it is. you know the the numbers don't always show, but that's people buying tickets, right? You might you might say, oh well, nineteen thousand was it really nineteen thousand this night? There might have been fifteen, but nineteen bought tickets, right? And that's what True. matters. Now True. you lose some concession money. People are are no showing with the tickets they purchased, but um, but yeah, I remember being blown away that the, but not really that the Pistons were were in top ten attendance with that team. Yeah, and Lord knows the Lions. I mean, <laughs> right? They oh, they yeah. sell out the Ford Field until. Yeah, if, even with a two or three win team, they, they're still mostly filling it up into December. Oh yeah, so it's uh, we're 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 lucky to be able to work and have these jobs in a town where um, where people really, really, really care about their teams. By the way, Red Wings regular season fourth in the NHL, average of eighteen thousand eight hundred nineteen ninety four ninety four point one percent capacity. No, it's true. It's and I and I don't want to go down this rabbit hole necessarily on this podcast. But whenever you see news of, of shrinking companies that are laying off or cutting back, especially especially sports companies, we saw this recently, unfortunately, with the athletic. When you look at the markets where it happens, it, it's generally in markets where they're either newer cities or the teams are newer or they just have never had that that connection, right? And you be and it's just not the interest just isn't there. You've got to have the interest. Absolutely. Especially, especially when you go through a drought like we have been largely. 
outside of our, our college teams, right? I right. mean, we've been in a pretty serious professional drought here, and it hasn't really affected business much. That's why you have to think, Sean, people like you, Sean, who are bringing the entire hope of a city forward with you, dragging it through the morass and the, the malaise of the, the you know, 500 records and the non-playoff appearances and giving everybody in Detroit hope. So we, everybody should apply you for that. Well, you know, there's nothing like a, a young team that looks like it might be promising. I, I, I don't know if that's more fun for fans than winning a title. Probably not, obviously. But it's surely the second best thing, right? I mean, watching a young group start to figure it out. You're a fan. You're, you've got your teams. There's, there's not much. I'll take like an that. old team that, that that didn't figure it out, but still won. I don't care. I'm not. No, no, no. Winning a title is is the top. But uh, but watching a young group develop, yeah. is learn how to win over the course of several years is so. Is wasn't pretty... that the difference of the the bad boys who all came together, came through the system, and you know, yeah, they were, yep, yep, Daddy yep, yep, Rich yep. and all that stuff, and the the work, the going to work team that was more or less put together from castoffs who weren't really young. They came together, but they were cast off older. Yeah, the, the start of the starting five at the going-to-work crowd, only one was drafted, Tayshawn Prince. And then probably even the, just think about their rotation. Well, maybe they drafted him a Meadow Coor, but Lindsey Hunter, I guess they drafted him. Anyway, four out of the five starters were, were trades or free yeah. agents. And uh, the bad boys, yeah, the, all those iconic guys, Oh, uh, Isaiah, Joe Dumars, Dennis Rodman, John Sally, a uh, Bill Amber, I guess, came in a trade, but but there are four guys right there. They were all drafted, mm-hmm. and that came, uh, yeah, for sure. So they they were with them a lot longer, right? And they were with yeah. them when they I'm were glad, really by young. By the way, I'm glad in your column about Iserman and the Red Wings that you made a slight comparison to Iserman and Dumars as GMs, you know, former star players, but. There is no comparison between those two players among the fan base because Eiserman can do no wrong. I mean, it is, uh, you know, I think fans like Jenny Fleck when they see him on the street, like he can do no, I don't even know. Uh, how, I don't even know. I can't even, can, can you even conceive of a time that Chris Ellis would fire Steve Eiserman? Like I can't even, if they didn't make the playoffs for 10 years, I don't know if that would happen. I just can't see it. Yeah, I mean, there's a We're point close out there. We're close to Iserman in 2003. It's funny because Iserman was arguably probably better hockey player than Dumars was a basketball player. But Dumars won a title here. You know, Iserman built a title team in Tampa. But, uh, yeah, no, it's 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 different for sure. But um, I was just trying to make the point that Dumars, one of the most beloved Pistons who's ever played, and came back as a GM and won a title, got to another finals. People were still done with him. Yeah. After not that long, if I right, it wasn't six years, maybe, and that was with a lot of those years getting to the conference finals. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a rough business. Well, it would be. It might be different if Eiserman won a title and then had a drought, and people didn't like the direction that the team was going. Like with Doom, that's what happened. No, for sure. That's what happened with Dumars. So sure. that would be the key is if you got to the top and then you could see the decline. It's like, well, you've served your purpose. You brought us a title. Now where right. are the rest of the rings and you can't and, and get there again. No question. And you know what else happens, Carlson? That people start to think, well, they don't understand the game anymore. How often do we right. see that in sports? Like it's passed them by. That's a real common common thing, even when it's clearly not true, you know. I think the one thing and the thing with Eiserman, and it this happens in hockey a lot more than NBA, I think, and it is the soft landing as guys get booted upstairs and they get some executive whatever advisor position and you know, a little like the Dink uh Dwayne Casey thing, but but specific with Eiserman, you know, he he would never be outright fired. He would just no, be he would. pushed aside. He wouldn't, he wouldn't. All right. Uh Wow, yeah, we, we went long again. Sorry, man. Let's uh, take one more quick break, come back, wrap the show up, and uh, and get you out of here. Sound good? Perfect. And more importantly, get our producer, Robin Chan, out of here. <laughs> yeah, he, he's uh, he's scrambling today, like we all are. All right, we'll be right back with more Free Press Sports with Carlson Sean. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of... Uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. 
Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Free Press Sports with Carlson and Sean. Carlson, it's time to wrap the show up. You know what I mean? It's that time, Sean. It's my favorite thing, which turns into your favorite thing usually. So um, let me lead it off. And you were actually there for half of my favorite thing last week when uh, the Free Press uh, co-ed softball team finished up the season in our, our one playoff game. We narrowly lost to a slightly better team, 22-2. to two. So um, it was tough. It was tough. But the nice thing and uh, about the game was uh, you showed up. Uh, Omari Sankofa, the second, showed up. Um, and um, we had some supporters um, there throughout the season, some family, some friends. But afterward, we went out to, uh, to a bar in Corktown. And, the, you know, a lot of the teams showed up. And, uh, you know, we got together. And it was one of those things where I remember looking around. We grabbed a couple of tables. Even the, the bartender uh, came over and took our order for food and drink. <laughs> when we first, I was one of the first to get there. It was like three or four of us. And then everybody showed up. And it must have been, I don't know, 15 people who showed up somewhere around there, um, 10 to 15. And, uh, and he said, well... <laughs> he said, now, now that there's like 80 of you here, I got to start taking names and starting the tab and everything. So it was funny, but it was really nice. The whole point of doing this is to build some camaraderie, some togetherness now in our more, uh, the most disconnected we've ever been in our work lives, you know, working remotely, which is, has a lot of benefits, you know, um, it, we become less connected with each other and in sports, you know, to tell the listener out there, the thing in sports that's always happened is the sports writers don't work in the office. We always are out going to games and press conferences and practice and all that. So, you know, if you're Sean Windsor, you're traveling, you know, uh, high on the hog on the company's dime, going to all these great places around the world. Uh, if you're me, you're just working from home. But, uh, but yeah, it's it's nice to it's nice to see people, and we've seen people from across the newsroom and. Younger people, older people, uh, Sean's BFF, Mike Ulrich, uh, was our Justin Verlander in the circle uh, this year. Unfortunately, he was out of town. He couldn't make it. But it was just great, Sean. And, and it was, uh, I wish he'd come out. Um, but it was really good to see everybody spend some time with them, chatting. Everybody, yeah, you could just see the, uh, you know, the friendship and the kinship kind of building there. And it's been like our third season together. Our former editor, assistant editor, Tyler Davis, started the team. Um, so it's been a really nice, uh, experience and a memory and we're going to, we're going to start again. We're going to have our summer season, but that was my favorite thing last week. And, uh, I'll dearly miss the team. It'll never be the same team. Won't be together, uh, the next season, but, uh, a lot of it will. And I'm looking forward to more, uh, more fun times like that with the team. Well, I enjoyed coming out. Uh, was sorry to see that the game went a little bit more competitive. I, I think you were <laughs> missing some folks and, uh, you know, it just wasn't. Wasn't a completely fair fight, but uh, there was a lot of energy and uh, enthusiasm, and that was nice to see. You got a little worked up I at did. one point. I was like, "Oh my goodness!" <laughs> so I, I was wondering if that was just you. Are you normally like that, or no? Is it just you know some things that have happened? Right. Sometimes you get to a place in your life you've you know you've had you've, you've had some things happen, right? That uh, they can they can do that. Things I've seen. They, that can bring out, well, you know, you, you've had some loss in your life too. And so, and I remember how I saw you at the game at one point, I can remember getting like that a couple of times uh, myself after, after uh, I had a couple of, not a couple, but I had a loss exactly like yours. I was a lot younger, but, but I, it's funny. I, the way I was watching you, it reminded me of that. And um, in any case, I was happy to see you today. I don't think I've seen you since or talked to you since. I think we texted once on uh, Father's Day. But um but I was happy to see that you uh, you're yourself again today. So that that's my favorite thing to be honest. I can be I I thank you and I it was uh I by the way, I give the team a lot of credit because I was upset that they were kind of running the score up on us and we were as you said we were without our full squad and it's a coed league and our league is and i'm not trying to make excuses but our a lot of these teams they're just teams that have been put together by friends and as you if anybody's ever played adult league sports 
you eventually become a team of ringers. And I've been on those teams before. Like, this person's better. Let's invite them. And pretty soon, the, the team that started is not the team that's playing anymore. It's we've got a better player. A better player. We're a team of people at work, whoever can show up from work. And we strongly encourage participation from anybody who wants. In fact, we had a, we had a photo intern who just showed up that day. And she got to play. And, um, you know, not, you know, she, she did her best and it was, you know, but, and I kind of just sort of let the other team know, uh, maybe you don't need to be swinging for the fences on every single pitch. And to their credit, they really held back. They, you know, they weren't rounding third and coming in hard at home play. They, so they, they deserve credit too for understanding. So sometimes, you know, teams get excited. It's fun to score. It's fun to win. It's and then people don't realize they just get up there and hey, I'm gonna swing. I'm gonna get you know. Here's my chance to get a home run. I haven't had a home run this year. It's like you know, the score's eleven to two, eleven to one, buddy. Uh, you're gonna win the game. Just you can take your foot off the gas and pedal a little it, bit. It, it's hard to ask people. I get the the round and the bases and you know the way maybe, but it's hard to ask people not to swing. Right? It's just that, that's that's difficult. But if you're good enough, and I'm I'm. Not to toot my own horn, but I'm one of the better hitters on our team. I played baseball in high school. I don't. I know how to hit the ball as a you know hit a line drive and not have to like crank it up and try to put it over the fence. You know, I'm and these players are all capable enough to not have to do that. Um, so and, I, and they did. They did. They did tone it down. And I, you know, it was court. It was fine. That was the only time. And it was, you know, but I noticed that because I missed a few games this year because my father's illness and his, you know, is passing away and stuff. And I missed a few games. And we did lose lopsided games. And I wondered about that. Like, did they keep pouring it on? Because that's that's poor sportsmanship to do that. I would tell our yeah. own team if we were up by a lot. Hey guys, let's let's calm down. You know. You've, you've coached, you know what I'm talking about. Well, yeah. And I mean, but, but in other sports, you can, like in basketball, when you're up big, you just pull your, your better players, exactly. right? You pull your starters. But, but in an adult rec league, you know, you're getting up there and you're in the batter's box. I mean, it, it's, it's, you just, your swing is your swing. And no, it's not. You can tone it down. You don't have to, I mean, you can, you can try to, you can try to reduce the bat speed a little bit, but then you're just, Nobody's but keeping stats either. There's I, no I OPS just, in I, I this just, league. Yeah, I just you can try to do that some, but then I just feel like that's weirdly disrespectful, and um, I wouldn't want anybody to. I would be more upset watching somebody who's a really good hitter barely get the bat off their shoulder, to be honest, because that feels a little more uh, patronizing. Yeah. But that's so you'd be me. happy. You tell the your, your team's up eighteen to one, and you say, "Yeah, go ahead, swing away, buddy." No, I mean it's just part of it, and you, you, the game will eventually be over, and sometimes it's going to take your lumps. I, I didn't feel like they were trying to rub it in or anything like that. I mean, if they if they were talking crap after they hit, running up to first base, then yes, I'd rather have them talk crap and not swing for the fences than, nah, than no, swinging I don't, for the I don't fences. Want anybody, for nine. I don't, I don't want anybody not trying. I don't. I want mm-hmm. uh, it, if they're being poor sports or whatever. Yeah, but anyway, yeah. Um, it's just, uh, yeah, it's nice to see that you're you're doing okay. And I know you had a, a nice break, I would hope, and uh, you're ready to get back at it. Well, what's your favorite thing? That was my favorite thing, seeing that you're okay. <laughs> yeah, you oh, were a little out of you were a little out classic of Classic Sean. You were a little out of sorts. That was that was my point. Yeah, yeah, I was. I was. <sighs> we just get to this time of the year too, you know, and you just you need in in our line of work. Um, it starts up in August and late August, and uh, and this is this is kind of the time when you need when you need to take your, get your time off and take your break. So, yeah, it's just and then gear up again for for uh, the fall because football is is the king, right? So you're saying you're gonna you're gonna take time off next week during the golf tournament at Detroit, right? I actually am going to take time off yeah. next week. I yeah. knew it. I knew it. Well, last year I was—I think I was on for this tournament, the and, uh, golf, and you, I asked you were crying to go. for golf to come back to Detroit. I actually to the asked to go town, and no, Kirk will tell you I asked to go last year, and he said no. I think we got to cover it. So I said, <laughs> oh, I said okay, because I mostly was just want to go and hang hang out with you. Was but, it more uh, like do I have to go cover golf? No, no, Kirk? no. I called him up and said, hey, uh, I noticed I didn't get any media thing. Is it too late? Can I can I go out there? And he said, "No, no, no. We 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 got it. We got it. We got it." I'm gonna I want to come out. I'm gonna tell Kirk you missed out last year. You really want to come? I wanted to come out and hang out with you. Yeah, but uh, it was fun. So when I'm not you came sh- out that one time. Yeah. So I'm not sure that I'll be here next week. So. Oh. Yeah, yeah. You can handle it though. 
or we'll just we'll run one of the greatest hits. We'll we'll Robin will figure something out. In any case, all right, <laughs> let's wrap this up, man. Let's uh, let's thank the people we need to thank and 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 get on out. We'll start with Robin Chan, of course, the producer who makes this possible. Kirkland Crawford, our sports editor. Um, Anjanette Delgado, an exec, co-executive producer. And uh, I think along with Kirk, I don't know, everybody's got their hands in it somehow. And uh, Nicole, who? Excuse me? Nicole Avery. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, Nicole Avery Nichols. Nichols. Who, no, 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 no. No, I was trying to former think. Former boss we, of Sean Windsor, former columnist. Yeah, yeah. Have we thanked her yet? I know because we didn't do it last week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and she's we our sure new editor at the paper. She's our new editor at the at the, at the newspaper, and uh, we definitely want to thank her, Nicole Avery Nichols. Um, and we want to thank the listener, right? Who, you know, we're, we're not going to be here without y'all. You can find us where, Carlos? Anywhere you find your podcast on Sean's MySpace uh, page or um, CompuServe.com, somewhere like that, or, you know, Apple, Spotify, wherever you find your favorite podcast. Find us. Like us, rate us, tell us what you think, send, 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 uh, send Sean an email, a text, whatever you'd like, uh, DM, uh, Insta, whatever, and tell him uh, how much you love him and how much you dislike me. Or the opposite, because that's or probably more like that's probably more likely true. All right, man. Good to have you back. That was fun. And we'll be back next week, uh, one way or the other, with more Free Press Sports with Carlson Sean. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.